Uh, you guys can be seated at this time. We're going to do something special that we do during this time. And at this time, I want to bring up John, and he's going to come up, and he's going to speak to you. And, uh, yeah, give him a hand. Give John a hand. Good morning, Hill City. As you know, today is Veterans Day. It's a day to honor all those that wore the uniform. Hello to those watching online. So as you know, today... Uh, Veterans Day is the 11th day of the 11th month, which was the end of World War I, which happens to be today is 100 years to the end of World War I. Started out as Armistice Day in 1938, it turned into Veterans Day. So, so in the, early on in a military career, everyone thinks about uh, where the military is going to take them what's going to happen to them. Most hope to go home in one piece. Uh, now the worst case scenario, to have their bodies sent home to their families. Uh, there's an often overlooked uh, option, which is being captured, uh, becoming a prisoner of war, uh, not knowing where you are at all, turn into a missing in action. We have a place setting you might have seen at the, the entrance that has a, a lot of symbology in the way the, the setting is set up. Uh, in my travels, I've seen this table set up all year round in Kansas City, Cincinnati, Ohio, Wichita Falls, Texas, everywhere. They, they keep tables like this in restaurants all year long. Uh, so the symbology of this is, is that uh, the cloth is white. It symbolizes the purity of their motives when answering the call to serve. The single red rose reminds us of the lives of these Americans and their loved ones and friends who keep the faith while seeking answers. The yellow ribbon symbolizes our continuing uncertainty, the hope for their return and our determination to account for them. A slice of lemon reminds us of their bitter fate, captured and missing in a foreign land. A pinch of salt symbolizes the tears of our missing and their families who long for answers after decades of uncertainty. The lit candle, it reflects our hope for the return, alive or dead. The Bible represents the strength gained through faith to sustain us and those lost from our country, founded as one nation under God. The glass is inverted symbolizing their inability to share a toast. The empty chairs are, the chairs are empty. They are missing. Even today, we, even almost 70 years after the Korean War, you still read in the news uh, that some of our, our veterans are finally coming home. So it's, it's something to be thought about every day, not just on November 11th. I'd like to introduce you to Brother Paul Frazier. He's got something he'd like to share with us. Great. Hi. Good morning. Um, this is from my book, Tear Scars in the Wall in D.C. It's the second of my two Vietnam books uh, on the in-country and coming home process for a veteran. I was in... Vietnam in 1970, 71, 10 months, 
And I was very pointedly aware of uh, the POWs and MIAs that we would go out on what they called Buffalo Hunter missions looking for these people, for our brothers that have gone on up the trail turn, where they've been turned over by the Viet Cong to the North Vietnamese Army, and they were moved north to POW camps up north. Vietnam veterans and veterans of all the wars since then, it's almost been continuous, but veterans seem to pop up in, in some of the worst places as well as the best. Uh, the young man that went went off the rails, so to speak, in, in California this week, last week, at the nightclub for young people, uh, was a um, Afghanistan veteran with PTSD. And uh, unfortunately, we're finding a lot of these veterans are come home from all of our wars. Uh, they're a prisoner of Washington or a missing in American. There's a lot of homeless veterans of all our wars. It's been worse since Vietnam, but this this poem covers it. We are surrounded and the enemy is hard upon us. Our forces have fought with strength, honor, and dignity. We have endured more than mortal man should ever have been called upon to endure. Yet still, we have endured. There can be no single hero amongst us, for we have transcended heroism. We are known to each other only as brother, only as survivor. In the midst of hells, of the hell of war's battle, we have stood back to back together. Oft times we have fallen, yet we have fallen together. Brothers born of different fathers, different homes. Brothers stronger than blood, more than forever. Brothers. Yet now we are Again, in battle's silent roar, our enemy's stealth has brought them upon us once again. Our position, insupportable, indefensible, we are surrounded. If we are to survive, we must again stand shoulder to shoulder, back to back. We must forget our differences, cultures, faiths, ethnicity, and profit. If we cannot, if we can't, we shall perish, each and every one of us. If we cannot heal together, we are already dead. Yet all is not yet lost, dark though it may be. We who have survived the year of darkness can regain the moment and survive. Yes, to survive is to dare to live again to fight together for something we may never understand, to become and experience ourselves amongst ourselves and our loved ones. We are more than survivors. We are veterans of war's hate and destruction. We who have suffered the absence of peace 
have come to demand it of our world. Yet we are unable or unwilling to share it with each other. We are surrounded by our strongest enemy, and it is we veterans ourselves. Our fights amongst ourselves will defeat us. Will our own anger, hate, and violence do what war could not? Our hearts and minds within are our last outpost. We are surrounded and the enemy is hard upon us. Do we stand together and live or do we stand apart watching each other fall, dying slowly, failing to survive the surviving? What answers do you send, brother? The question remains. Thank you. At this time, we're going to play taps and just have a moment of just silence and remembrance. be seated and if we could just recognize anyone that served um, right now as a church we just want to honor you so if you could just stand thank you thank you thank you guys and now we're just going to move into a time of um, offering. So I just got back from Haiti this morning. Uh, and um, Dre and I, Dre's in the back. Um, so John asked me to share for offering. And um, just the first thing that comes to mind is when you're in a country um, where they don't have much, they're so much more willing to give much. Um, and so that's the first thing that comes to mind is it's like, you know that they don't have a lot. You know that they're living in like little village homes, um, maybe with doors, maybe with concrete walls, maybe with tarp walls, um, right? And so um, 
I just want to challenge us today to give from our heart. And uh, this little story that Micah always tells came to my mind. Um, And that's our 10-year-old. And he just says, that one time I got money for my birthday, and then I paid my tithe. Then I got more money the next week, you know? And he's like, so he tries to tell Sion and Ezra, you know, like, you have to do this. It works, you know? And so it just, that came to my mind along with just thinking of the people of Haiti and how generous they are when they hardly have anything. I mean, I, I texted Dre last night after I took a hot shower, <laughs> and um, which was the first one in a while. Um, so I just texted her and said, I'm so, like, I was just admiring the bottom of my shower because the ground's not slimy and, like, bugs are not crawling on it, you know? And so it's just the simple things um, sometimes that we forget, right? That we have really great paved roads and there's lanes that people stay in and there were, like, you know, basically one road and four people on the one-lane road um, lined up, you know, always. Like, it was like it was a four lane, but it was really a one lane. And just so thinking about simple things and um, as Thanksgiving's coming up and you guys know we always do like a secret church and and we make it very simple and um, just to reflect on what we're thankful for and just the things that that we have daily, that we forget, that others across the world um, have never even had an opportunity to experience. So um, I just challenge you today uh, to give from your heart in that way. Um, Give from your heart in the way of, you know what, I am so blessed that I have to give. I have something to give, so I'm going to give in that way. And whether it's money today or it's the friend you're sitting by and just checking on them and saying, like, what's going on in your life right now? Because I want to I wanna be listening here. I want to be there for you. Whatever your way of giving is today, I just challenge you to give a little more today and find that in your heart. So let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for Hill City, God, and the people that represent Hill City. God, I thank you that we're not just about what we do inside of a Shatter Ridge Middle School, God, that we care about the people outside of these walls, God, that we care about the people that we work with every day, God, that we run into at the grocery store. And God, I pray that today you would just give us a heart of gratitude, especially in this month, and um, that we just look at our lives a little differently, God, and that we just say thank you, and we give out of that. Whatever our giving looks like, that we would just give a little more. And we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen our church. I'm thankful that we get to do this for Veterans Day. I think I'm just grateful. Like, live a life of gratefulness. We talked about cynicism last week, right? And how cynicism can take our mind and our hearts and we begin to lose hope. And our hope is always in Christ. And if you're, if you're new to church, new to this religion thing, we always go back to Jesus because that changes everything. And that's how it are, many of our stories started. We were at a place and we encountered Jesus, like for real, not in this just informational way. But we started, we started reading this word, uh, God's, uh, this Bible, and it started to read our life. 
Have you ever been there when you're reading and you're like, I feel like this is reading my life. And that is my goal. Every time I speak, I want the word of God to read your life and tell you and show you different things and do surgery to your soul. So uh, last week we talked about cynicism and how most people who are cynics, are, and maybe you consider yourself a cynic today and there's things that are going on, but most people who are cynics were former optimists. They really believed, they shared, they gave, they went at it, and somewhere along the line, they got hurt. And they said, no way, and they pushed themselves and they shielded themselves from different moments of life. And I shared uh, stories about my own life and stories in, in the Bible as well. But I want you to know that if you're struggling with cynicism, please listen to last week's message. I believe it brings a lot of hope. We're on part two of, of the series, Pitfalls. How did I get here? Has anyone ever said that? How did I get here? We talked about how the prodigal son, the younger son, comes to a place where he says, he comes to himself and he says, it's, it was way better at dad's place. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? I remember maybe you're there now. Maybe you're thinking, what am I, what am I thinking? Why is my life this way? How did I get here? Why am I putting myself to this much pain? How did I get here? And so this is what the series is about. But before we begin, I want you to follow me on this. We're going to do a little exercise, and I want everyone to participate. I know when I say I want you to participate, there's natural people in here that's like, then I'm not going to participate. We got some natural rebellion. That's your sin. No, no, that's just some of us. That's how we are. We don't trust nobody. That's the cynicism that can grow in us. But I want you to close your eyes just for a moment. That's right, close your eyes for a moment. And just imagine with me a beautiful moment called your funeral, right? Think of now, right now, I know some people are smiling and some people are just looking at me. <laughs> but think of all the people. Imagine the people who are going to attend your funeral today. Just think about it for a moment. Who will attend your funeral? It could be a spouse or your kids, your brother, sister, close friends. What do they look like? What is their face like? Are they sad? Some, are they happy? Some are very indifferent. What are their moods? What you think about your funeral speaks a lot about the way you're living your life today. Now open your eyes. Some of you guys are like, that was horrible. Yeah, and some of you guys are like, that was pretty good. But I was, I was thinking this. Right now, you guys are still alive right now. There is a story still to tell. And as a pastor, I've done many funerals, some of people I've known and some people I haven't known. But there's moments in funerals when we all come together, we bring the family together, and you quickly understand, it's quickly evident how the person lived. It, it's, they can't fake it. At funeral time, there's no faking. It's very evident how the person lived their life from the people who knew them best. Other people are like, oh, I'm going to miss them so much. Then there's some people that are like, won't say a thing. So I, I remember uh, I, one time I opened up the mic to the floor, and they said, well, he drank a lot of beer. I was like, give me that mic. <laughs> right? And then they're like, or that man, he, she was a really angry person. I was like, give me that mic. I was like, well, thank you very much. And, and the, you know, with Christians, brother, give me that, give me that mic, <laughs> you know. But there's moments, it's quickly evident the way you lived your life from the people closest to you. Some people are loved and missed, and there's tears of pain and even tears of joy. It's beautiful. Saying any, and, and other times, people are trying to think of 
things to say that are nice. They're like, they had a beautiful garden, and uh, they worked really hard, and they're just going, they're just making, it's awkward pauses. And I'm like, all right? And I'm just like, don't say anything crazy. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Please, like, let's be respectful in this moment. But, they, but it masks, in those moments, you can see how people are trying to mask the pain of years, of years of moments, maybe years of abuse, years of pain, and they're trying to mask it in that moment, trying to be as responsible and respectful as they can. And the truth is, when you die, the legacy you leave is always centered on who you really are. And I call that your character. The legacy you leave is always based not on what you think you did and achieved, but from the people closest to you that love you the most, all they cared about in that moment is their character, your character. People remember if you loved well, forgave easily, if you cared for them, if you served or you demanded to be served, if you were greedy or if you were generous, if you were humble or if you were arrogant, if you were cynical or if you were full of grace. Let me put it bluntly. We care about a lot of things in life, yet at a funeral, I've never seen a son pull out in the, in the, uh, in the eulogy, right? Let me show you their resume. They never say, I want to show you their resume. I never, they never say, look, look at all the stocks they had. They never talk about their net worth. But what they do talk about is the person's character, what mattered most to them, their legacy. Maybe, just maybe, our character matters much more than we can ever imagine. And so today's message is called Character Drifts, the gap between who you are and who you need to be. The gap between who you are and who you need to be. If you have your Bibles today, please turn to Romans chapter 7. We celebrate the Word of God because the Word of God teaches us about Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. So the truth we face every day is the word compromise. Say compromise. That's right. Compromise. That's the pressure. That's the problem. And, 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 and the pressure we face to compromise every day, we, it, to go against our own values. We have a value lined up in our life. We know what is right. We do. We've set up certain things in our life. Yet there's so much pressure every day to compromise. And one compromise always leads to another. One lie, guess what, leads to another. One hidden sin leads to another hiding sins. One, and it goes and it goes. And it's subtle. It's not all in your face all the time. It's the little compromises we make that build something much larger, much, and it begins to snowball. And I want to ask you a question, and you can ask yourself this question. Who are you when no one is watching? Who are you in your car on I-25 in the mornings at 8 o'clock, backed up behind the semi, right? And then uh, the guy on his phone next to you. And just think about it. There's moments we, we, we like, you know, who are you when you were in the parking lot of the church and you were just fighting with your husband or your wife, right? Have you ever been there? I've, Candace and I have always been there. We had a moment we were fighting behind those curtains, right? <laughs> we were fighting behind those curtains. You could ask Candace. We were fighting. And I was like, you can't go up there. You, you have a bad attitude. And I was, I was saying stuff. I, I was manipulating. That's what I was doing. Yeah, that's right. And we were yelling at each other, and uh, oh, man, we've done that a couple times. There was one time, it was right before a funeral, 
We were yelling at each other so loud, and it was right before a funeral, and Candace said to herself, I need to get this back together, because what if John messes up this funeral the worst? <laughs> this is like our friend's brother's funeral, and John is out of control right now. He's, we're yelling at each other, and she was like, and she was the peacemaker. Thank God for my wife, the peacemaker. It was, uh, I would like to say it was always all me, but uh, a lot of pride gets in the way, and we need to put ourselves out there and say, you know what, God, humble us in these moments and tell our stories so that other people don't fight before the funeral, especially if you're going to do the funeral, right? It's a bad move. But every night we see on the news athletes, politicians, CEOs, and gifted pastors who threw their integrity away got busted for steroids, insider trading, cheating on their spouses, tax evasion. Yet people did not start off this way. No one says, oh, that's who I want to be, right? No one starts off that way. Everyone starts off with good intentions. Yes, yet compromise begins to sneak in. Little white lies. And we say this, oh, it's not bad. It's just little white lies, right? We make little bargains with ourselves. And it's just a minor greed or lust or pride, little tweaks in our values. How's that going to mess us up? We say, honestly, we, we, we talk to ourselves and we say, oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. When you got to talk to yourself of how bad it is, there's something that needs to be adjusted, right? When you're talking to yourself, because at some point you'll stop talking to yourself and start believing, oh, it's all right, right? All good. And that's how it starts. You weren't 100% honest with your boss, right? Yeah, they were like, well, where were you? Were you okay? Yeah, I was just so sick. Well, I saw on Facebook you were with your kids at Elitch's, right? <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, that was my twin sister. <laughs> Or whatever, you know? Uh, we have these, uh, you made a promise, but you didn't, you knew you weren't going to keep it. Have you ever made a promise you knew you weren't going to keep? Right? But there's some social pressure. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Be right there. You're, and then you get into your car. I'm never going. <laughs> I'm not going to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's okay, because it was inconvenient, right? So you told a little bit so everyone could be copacetic. Have you ever told your, uh, you haven't told your wife about the porn problem? And you tell yourself, it's no big deal, right? Everyone does it, even though it's been hurting your intimacy and it haunts your mind daily. You know you should be more available for your kids, but it's way easier to be on your phone, isn't it? I know I, I feel like this. I'm like, ugh, on my phone or at work, I can control the chaos. When I'm at home, there is no control of this chaos. I have to deal with it. They, sometimes your, your kids are harder to deal with than your employees, isn't it? Isn't that true? Or your coworkers, so you want to, oh, oh, I don't want to do that. Maybe you flirted with someone, I'm just getting serious here, and you said it was meaningless, but you liked it a little more than you should have. You talk trash about your friends, things you would never say to their face, but everyone does that, right? These are matters of character. They're subtle, half-truths, rationalized excuses. They're okay, everyone's doing it, everyone's doing it. Even though there's something in your heart the gap between who you are and who you want to be. And I'm not saying you're a terrible person, but it's not who you need to be. You've been compromised. And I'm going to push this even a little further. Competency versus character. Say competency. That's right. We live in a culture that celebrates your talents, your giftings, your skills. I call that your competency, 
right? All the motivational speakers, if you look online, is like Gary Vaynerchuk, and you, uh, you, look at, uh, you look at Oprah, you look at Tony Robbins, they say double down, work hard on your skills so that you could be special, right? Work on your competency, sharpen your skills, which is good, it's fine. We're told the greater my skill, the greater I can be. So work on your skills, work on your skills as a leader, as a teacher, as a business owner, whatever you're into, as an investor. So we invest in the classes, we read books, we go to conferences. Do you know people who read self-help books, read uh, just uh, every couple of months have to read more self-help books? And that things don't really change. There's like they, they were doing a study of people who were studying on self-help. It was like it wasn't actually helping them, right? They just read more self-help books, and they tell you that you're doing it wrong. Let me tell you what Gary told me or whoever told me. But we want to be the most talented person in the room, and that's not a bad thing. We need to sharpen our skills. But the older I get and the older we get, we begin to see the same talented, gifted people, the athletes, fall, resign, or be forced out due to, guess what, character issues. Always. It's always character issues. Thank you, John. <laughs> the same talented, gifted people fall and resign and are forced out, not because they're not good, not because they weren't talented, but they're forced out because of the abuse of power, because of addiction, because of affairs, because of lies, not because of their lack of skills, but because of their lack of character. Think about that for a moment. Really chew on that. Because this is really important. This is who you are becoming. Some, sometimes we get so stuck on who we are, but who are we becoming? And, and, and I, right now, put even Christianity aside. You might say, I don't believe any of that Bible stuff, John. I don't believe in the Jesus stuff. But then put it aside. You might be the smartest person at work, but if, you, if, but if people don't like you, you won't work there long. You might be the highest producer in your company and in your firm, but if you lie a lot, people won't trust you. The lack of character kills careers, families, and friendships, and the lack of character will always limit you. Character matters because it matters most. Uh, it matters to those who matter most. Character matters because it matters to those who matter most. Think about that for a moment. Now back to your funeral. You're not dead, right? We haven't made t-shirts of your faces, right? We have, we're not wearing those right now, which means you can change. You can change. Your family knows your past, but they also see your progress. You, they might know your past, but they also see your progress. I can't tell you how many times I heard, Dad used to drink a lot, but now he's the best grandpa in the world. You should see him. You should see the way he plays with those kids. It's so much joy. Mom and dad used to fight all the time, but you should see their marriage. They're like so in love, it's gross, right? It's gross. You don't even want to watch them. It's, it, it's gross. Mom used to drink all the time, work all the time, ignore us all the time, but all that has changed. Our relationship is so good. They're amazing. They're not perfect, but they try hard. They're generous. They love God. It's never too late to be who you might have been. Will you and I fight for character because we're fighting for our, the, our future and the future of those who love you the most? So now back to Romans 7 and back to character and compromise, right? Let's go there. Romans 7. 
Here is Paul, and we're going to start from 14. Here's Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle is the man. If you want to be like anyone like other than Jesus, Paul did some great stuff, right? He did some good stuff. He started many churches. He got to write the New Testament, right? And he reached the millions with his, with his life. You would think this guy has it all together, yet here he is struggling with the same things we struggle with, character, his heart, his sin. Romans 7, 14 to 16. I don't really understand myself. For what I, I, uh, for I want to do what is right, and you might feel like this, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Verse 16, but if I know what I am doing is wrong, that, this shows that I agree with the law, that the law is good. And I'm going to skip to 19. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Verse 24, and this is just uh, taking a part of this. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Have you ever felt like Paul? I want to do this, but I can't. I try to do right, but I do wrong. Because despite my best intentions, I keep on compromising, which leaves me compromised. And here's some signs that are, we're compromising and that our character is drifting. Number one, the growing gap between our public life and our private life. Is there a growing gap between your public life, what people see you as, and who you really are. Think about that. Do we need to fake it to make it? Because you won't make it, I tell you that. You will not make it. You work hard protecting a fake image of yourself. And I'm telling you, this is more real than ever before. It starts off small, it starts off innocent, like driving that car you can't afford. You fake smile and say, God bless, when you're fighting in the parking lot, right? Instead of saying, guilty. You talk about grace, but you're really, really mean, right? Your dog barely likes you, right? Your cat. Justin Bieber would say, my mama don't like you, and she likes everyone, right? You talk about responsibility, yet your personal finance is a wreck. Your friendships aren't good. You say people matter, but when was the last time we made time for people? We say, I love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself. Do we know our neighbors? Is there a gap between what we say and how we live? Number two, you hide things. Let's be real. Let's be real, even more real. You erase your browser history. Oh. You put a password on your phone to hide things from your spouse. You hide money and then lie about it. I don't know. I don't have any money. You've been hiding it. You're always covering up, saying you, you worked late when you're out with your friends. No one really knows you, and you made it that way. This is tough, but character matters. Number three, you're like, is there, can you give me a good list, John? You justify your bad actions and decisions. And when we do this long enough, we start believing our own lies. If we stop apologizing. We stop confessing. I didn't cheat on my spouse. We, we were already headed that way. I wasn't happy anyway. It's the best for our kids. Do you know how many times I've heard this? That's serious. I didn't cheat on my spouse. We were headed that way. I think this is the best for our kids. I'm like, what? are you talking about? 
This is, you, you know you're crazy talking. I'm not greedy. Money doesn't control us. Come on, I deserve some good things. After all, I worked hard. I'm generous, right? We might not be doing this side, but there's something else in our life that's pulling out. When's the last time you gave and it cost you something? When's the last time you sacrificed? I was thinking, we were talking about, uh, I was talking to Monica and Ricardo this morning, and they're doing something for Christmas, and they're serving the homeless. When was the last time you served someone, and it hurt you on the other half? It didn't make perfect sense for your life. But you said, man, I am driven by the love of Christ. I'm driven by the word of God. I'm driven to live differently. Do we justify our actions to fit our lives so we can just, oh, we can fit? Listen. If you got to tell yourself what you're doing is right, watch out. Almost no one else will tell you to work on your character except for the Bible. The, at work, they won't tell you. You better work on your character. You know what they'll tell you? You're fired. We don't need you around. We don't want you around. You're a liar. They won't say, you need to work on this. You need to work on this. Man, I'm telling you, you need to work on this. If no one was going to tell you in your life, I'm going to tell you, you have to work on your characters. It matters to God. It matters to you. And it matters to those who love you the most. They will leave you. Others will leave you. But I'm telling you, out of love and the love for your soul and your future, character matters. Then what can I do, John, to build my character? And I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. It's like I have the mic, right? But this part's hard but it's good right rebuilding character is hard but you'll never regret it i want to start by asking you allow god to convict you again don't push the holy spirit away don't run away let holy spirit let the holy spirit do work in you and sometimes that's uncomfortable i would say all the time it's uncomfortable has the holy spirit just called you out on something you're like no 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 you don't know me you don't know me no, he, the Holy Spirit knows you. That's why he's, it's, it, it, he, when you, there's a wound in your life, you know it's wounded when you press on it a little bit and it still hurts. When there's unforgiveness in your life, you're like, I'm over that. Let's, let me press on that a little bit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When there's a fear in your life, what the Holy Spirit does is push on that anxiety and fear just a little bit, just to show you there's still work to be done. Those are matters of character. And, and I, I love this. And this doesn't happen in one day. It's a journey walking and talking and learning from Jesus and trusting him. Because Jesus' journey, his journey with you, walking with you, will expose you, humble you, and it's uncomfortable. Yet Christians call this process sanctification. That's what we call it. If you, if you read the, the word of God, it's called holiness. It's a set apartness with God, taking out things that might kill your soul because your soul matters more than anything else to God, right? And he's more interested in growing us than making us feel good. This sermon is more interested in growing you than making you feel good. Sometimes I'm like, I always say things that may, don't make them feel good, but I hope it's like medicine and it heals our soul because joy is ahead. It might not be in the moment. Some of you guys know what it feels like to overcome some of the compromises that we have made in life, and that is joy in Christ. It's a moment where you can walk free. Freedom is not being able to do whatever you want. That's not freedom, right? We don't give that kind of freedom to our, our children. What, what do we do? We put a fence in our backyard so they can go wild and not be hit by a car. Sometimes we need to build a fence in our life which will bring us the most freedom for our life. It's not doing whatever we want. There has to be a way to live, a way to have character that brings freedom. 
It brings freedom. That's why that's called sanctification. Now listen how Paul finishes his message. He says this in Romans 7, 24 and 25. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you will see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. I love, he's saying, but the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus. I don't know if you believe in Jesus or not, but I want to tell you the answer for my life was Jesus Christ. I tried it my way. I did it my way. And many of us, we sought after this, that, and the other thing. And we come back to ourselves and we're saying, it's still not it. And like Paul says, he, man, he was a man that everyone looked at and said, oh, this is Paul. He had it all together. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the teacher of all teachers. He was born on the right day. He was born in the tribe of Benjamin, which meant that he was born in the right family. He was born at the right place. He had the smarts, but he said all this is nothing than to know Christ as Jesus Christ, my Lord. The answer to our character problem, I'm just telling you bluntly, this is what I know, is Jesus. That when you can't, he can. He can overcome that sin that you've been trying to overcome. He can free you from greed, lust, addiction, lying. He can heal when you can't heal that wound. By his grace, you start with Jesus, you continue with Jesus, and you end with Jesus. Christians, we start with Jesus, then we try to take over. Uh, give God, uh, give, man, let's praise God for that. Let's not start our race with Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm with you, I'm with you. And then we try to build ourselves up. Oh, I got this now, I got this, I've, I've been matured up. No, you start with Jesus, and in the middle, you grow with Jesus, and at the end, you finish with Jesus. It never ends. Your walk with Jesus never ends. It just continues. That's called sanctification. Do not let go of the hand of God that is guiding your life. Do not let it go. That is the power of God within you. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now, here's three ways we can get started. Number one, take responsibility. Stop blaming. Stop complaining. When you complain, you already lose. When you complain, you lose. It helps no one. It actually keeps you stuck. Look to Jesus and start walking. you got to start somewhere. Number two, match your talk with your walk. Don't say things you don't mean, even in the simple things. Don't tell your son that you're going somewhere and not go. Don't tell your daughter just to shut them up. Oh, yeah, we'll t I'll take you there in about an hour. You know you're not going there, right? Yep, yeah. don't tell them that. Match your talk and walk. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And in the Bible it says everything else comes from the evil one. Because you know what? Because we're not being honest and we're letting small areas of our life compromise. Even in the little things. If you don't like someone's dress, you don't need to say nice dress. Yeah. Right? If you don't want to hang out with someone, say, you know what? Not at this time. Don't say, yeah, I'll be right there and not show up. Stop lying the little lies. Stop faking the little fakes. And, and it might start at even a small level. And I've been studying this a while, and I've been messing with Candace, because I've been studying this for a couple, couple of weeks. I've been saying, Candace, we... And this is something else. I was like, oh, I shouldn't even tell the story. It's too late. I'm here. It's too late. 
I was just telling her, why do we clean our house like this and fake it in front of all the guests that are coming in? <laughs> and I've been kind of working on it, and Candace is like, shut up and clean. <laughs> But I was like, I, but even in the little parts of our life, how authentic can we walk? If you want your house clean like that, then keep it clean like that, right? How authentic can we walk in our life so that our character, when someone says, Marcy, what do you think about this? They truly understand she's coming from an honest, truthful place because she wants the best for you and she's a true person. Can we be people of God, who are people of character. You know what our world laughs at the most? People who are not Christians laugh at the most? Christians yapping and not backing it up with their character. Man, it's true. Be set apart. I know to do the right thing, then do it. From your words to your generosity. Don't say, I know God wants me to be generous, but uh, you know, I'm just still praying where I should be generous. No, be generous, always. Always, if everything in your life is God's, then let it be God's and listen to the Holy Spirit. Love your neighbor. Engage with your kids and your families. To know to do right and not to do it, James says, it's sin. It's not a sin of commission like, oh, I broke a rule. It's a sin of omission. You didn't know to do right when you knew to do right. Number three, your daily disciplines determine destiny. Growing every day in character, learning every day from Jesus, working on little things in your life every day, picking them out and saying, you know what, I do need to work on that. Through prayer and talking with Jesus, through good people around you. You know good people around you. Keep them around you and seek them out to be around them. It's important. Through, go to a group and be honest with them. Be honest with where you are. Because you know what, when you're honest, it sets other people free to be honest. It says, confess your sins to one another so you may be healed. There's healing in honest confession with people who love you enough to tell you the truth. Oh, it's all right. You can do whatever you want. That's not true. We know that's not true, right? Learn from God's word. Learn through the Bible. Man, keep on being sanctified. What you do today is your tomorrow. And as we close today, as we're closing, keep on growing. What you do today is your tomorrow. We say, maybe it's our tomorrow. No, it's 100% your tomorrow. The things we do today is 100% your tomorrow. Don't wait to do it tomorrow. Don't wait to do it tomorrow. How many things do we tell ourselves we can do that? Man, let our talk match our walk. How many times we told our spouse we need to go to counseling because we're messed up right now? Let our talk match our walk. How many times we said we need to be more generous, but we're not generous. Let our talk match our walk. How many times we said, I need to stop doing this because it's hurting my soul. Let our talk match our walk. I need to pray. Let our talk match our walk. I need to love. Let our talk match our walk. I need to reach that person at my work because I know they need Christ. Let our talk match our walk. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but let our talk match our walk. Let's stand today. Can we be different? 
I love how James says it this way. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because I know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When you're in a storm, think of it as joy. I know it's not always joyous, but Jesus is saying, you know what, I'm making you. Do you trust that I'm making you? So what I want you to do today is stay in the boat. When you're going to a storm, you got to stay in the boat, stay in the correction. If you want to get to the other side, hold on to Jesus, stay committed because you're being made. No compromise, no compromise. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Jesus said to us, small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And there's a few that find it. There's a way that leads to life, the life that God has for you, the life to the fullest, but it's not easy. And a few find it and live it. It takes deep, deep obedience. But the payoff is an overflowing life with the creator of the world with purpose, hope, and legacy. Are you in? At some point, you have to cross the line and trust Jesus or not. If he's God, then let him be God of your life and let your talk match your walk. And the areas of your life you have not given over to the Lordship of Christ, over to his control, it's time to give those up. It's so worth it. Because at the end of our life, I want the people who know me best to love me most. That's your and that's what matters today. Heavenly Father, I know that you're speaking to many of us, Lord God. Just speak to us. Just speak to us right now, Lord God. Break down the walls, Lord God. Even if it's the thickest wall we've ever built, Lord God, you in one moment can make it crash down. You who crashed down the walls of Jericho, you who have saved us, Lord God, and ripped the veil from top to bottom. Only you can do it, Jesus. And that's who we trust in. We trust in you, Lord God. Right now, if there's people in this room that is struggling with character and you know it, and as I was talking, you were making excuses. And that's the person I'm talking to. As I was talking, you had to reject me because it, it, was, it was making you upset. It was irking you. There was something going on in your heart. And that's who the Holy Spirit is talking to. That's why I'm here today. If God's speaking to you, then it's, it's time to address your soul. It's time to address your relationship with God. It's not informational. It's, re- it's, it's relational. God... Have I been walking away from you? Have I talked so much talk that I can't even, I don't even know if I'm being honest or if I'm lying to myself, God? God, if there's if, if the areas or in my life, is there's confession that I need to do right now, you don't need to confess to me. There's no secret confession. You speak, talk to God for a moment as Jen sings. <laughs> Just talk to God for a moment. Come on. Come on. This is how I fight my Yes. Lord, we need you, Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I This is how I fight my battles. 
today. That means, you know, you, you change your mind on what you believe that Jesus can do in your life. And, and may some of you right now, you have to say, God, I need, I, I need to give my life to you. I've had an informational understanding of you, but I need to take a step and say, you know what? You have every part of my life. And if that's you, just go to God. Go to God. Take a step of faith and say, God, Jesus, I need you. I need your cross. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again, that all things are possible, that my soul can be alive again, that my family can be restored again, that my character can progress again, Lord God, that all things are possible in you, Jesus. And if that's you, I want you to praise God one last time. It may look like I'm surrounded, but we are surrounded by Christ. It may look like I'm surrounded. One last time. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm Heavenly Father, I pray for our church family, Lord God. I pray as we leave these doors, 
Lord God, we believe that we are here, Lord God, to be light to our city for those who are far from you, Lord God, who need the hope and the life of Jesus, Lord God. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we step out these doors, Lord God, we do some inner work, Lord God, so that you could use us for your outer work, Lord God, in our city. Because there's people so far and lost, Lord God, from you, Lord God. I pray that we could be the voice, Lord God, of life. We can be a voice of encouragement, of hope, Lord God. And this week, that you would put people on our hearts, Lord God, that we need to introduce to the creator of the world, the savior of our souls, the Lord of our lives, Jesus Christ, Lord God. I pray. I empower these people, Lord God. I speak with authority for these people, Lord God, that we go, Lord God, and be light in darkness. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being here. Yeah.